0: Hi, I'm Jason Hatcher, Managing Principal of Navigator's Western Operations. Welcome to the Western Edge, a Navigator podcast featuring the latest perspectives on Western Canada's biggest stories. This week, we are continuing with part three of our mini-series, where we're taking a look back on the year that was in politics and government across the Western provinces, Today, I'm glad to be joined by Alberta's Municipal Affairs Minister, Rebecca Schultz, who has been at the centre of it all here in Alberta over the past year. Keep listening to hear a fantastic discussion with Minister Schultz about her new ministerial role, Alberta's new Premier, of course, the Alberta Sovereignty within the United Canada Act, and the government priorities heading into an election year. This week, it's all about Alberta, and this is the Western Edge. Minister, it is so good to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining the Western Edge.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, Minister, it has been a bit of a year in Alberta politics. We'll put aside (laughs) Canadian politics. Let's focus on Alberta politics. If I'm not mistaken, you were a minister. Then you weren't a minister. You ran for leadership. Now you're a very senior minister in a new uh, a new administration with a new premier, Premier Daniel Smith. Tell us a little bit about what the last year has been like for you in politics, and uh, and how it's all gone.
1: Yeah, and it's it's definitely no secret that it's been an exciting year in Alberta politics, and I think that starts with the leadership review, and then we saw a premier step down, we saw a leadership race, and now we're closing out the year with a new premier and a new team and headed into an election year. So, of course, for me personally, running in the leadership race, that that is something that stands out for me this year. That was the better part of the last year for me. But, you know, I think also as we head into uh, a new year, what also stands out is that there is hope and optimism. And we saw, you know, a number of the folks running in a leadership campaign and all of their teams and all of their supporters come together and say, you know, this is the process. This is how it works. We're grateful for the efforts of Premier Kenny, And now, you know, we are here to rally behind and support Premier Smith as we head into a very important election year where the the discussion needs to be around the future of our province and, and who's in the best position to manage that. So it was an exciting year for all of those who love watching politics. And for those who were in it, it was busy. But, you know, I think it just showed how much Conservatives wanted to come together, get involved and make sure that the future of our party is bright.
0: Well, it's certainly been, its it, it, look, it's made quite an impression to see the energy that, especially those of you who ran in the leadership still have this late in the year, while the rest of us seem to be limping towards the holidays. You guys are still governing and going hard out of lots of new initiatives that we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, tell me what it was like to run as, uh, run for the leadership, like an experience that I know a lot of folks dream about that are in politics or have run for politics. What was it like for you, that experience, and and what was your takeaway?
1: Well, I, I didn't anticipate being in that position. I really didn't, and I wasn't one of the first out of the gate because I hadn't been planning this, right, for years. I didn't really expect, like I said, to be in that position, but when I saw this leadership race shaping up and I saw people putting their names forward, I just really thought, you know, What is best for the future of our party, which I ultimately think is what's best for the future of our province. And I thought that I had a perspective and approach and a voice that was needed in that leadership race to show our party that we had diversity of opinions. And, you know, we always say our conservative party is a big tent party and we value uh, big policy discussions and different opinions. I, I truly think that gives us better policy and better perspectives. And so I really felt like it was in the best interest of our party to have my voice at the table and my perspective there. I enjoyed it. I have no regrets. I loved every minute of it. And in some ways, as I traveled across the province and met with Albertans and just heard from them, what was top of mind, rural, urban, North, South, East, West, it really reminded me why I got into politics in the first place. I, I didn't get into this because I love bureaucracy. And we had been through obviously a difficult couple of years. I mean, we ran on jobs economy and supporting our energy industry. And we ended up with oil price crash, economic downturn and a pandemic. So, you know, being out there talking to Albertans and hearing from people who really truly want to see a successful conservative government lead us into the future of economic growth and prosperity. uh, It reminded me, you know, that's why I'm here. That's why I got into this, because I want to represent people and take their views and their hopes for the future and their concerns and try to address those for the better of our province.
0: Well, you know, you can see the energy, like I said a moment ago, and almost like an invigorated caucus. I think sometimes getting out of getting out of the dome and getting out uh, around Mm -hmm. and seeing people, it it energizes folks that, that are passionate about representing their constituents. So now we've got a new premier, a very different Mm -hmm. style. You can see that the caucus is, well, you can see the unity that we perhaps didn't see in recent years. But, you know, Premier Smith is clearly a leader and a premier who, you know, she's doing what she said she would do. She's been very transparent about her plan for the province through the leadership. And now she's been quite clearly and deliberately executing on it. What's that been like? And tell us what it's like uh, in that new role that you have as, as Minister of Municipal Affairs.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I give Premier Smith a lot of credit because she is delivering on what she said she would do. And that's how leadership races work. And she has done an excellent job of bringing together our caucus. I mean, it started with a caucus retreat. She very paintball, I think. Much, it, well, you know, it, it was just so needed. And this is all politics is all about people. And she has made it a priority to hear the perspectives of our team, to take feedback and to show that, you know, she cares about what we're thinking. and. Importantly, what our constituents are thinking, you know, who we're here to represent and make changes where they need to be made. And, you know, one of the examples I use, uh, the Alberta sovereignty within a United Canada Act. I mean, I I did have concerns with that piece of legislation early on in leadership. And I I always said, look, I, I get the intent. I get the intention of that act because Albertans are frustrated. I mean, when I was door knocking, even in my own riding in South Calgary, the top thing I heard is how do we stop the federal government from infringing on areas of provincial jurisdiction? That is top of mind for Albertans, no matter where I was across the province. So the intention of that act, I completely understood, but I wanted to make sure that it upheld the rule of law, the Canadian constitution, and that it wasn't used as the opposition saying that it's well, we get our way or we're leaving Canada, which that is not what this is about. And so, you know, it is, though, what the NDP is trying to make it about. So I wasn't wrong there. But this bill addressed my concerns for sure. And I think the premier is really putting that effort into building a strong team, which, as anybody who has been involved in politics know, that's where this all starts. Because we now, yes, we are making it through a legislative session, but we're headed into a year where We're going to be out there uh, motivating our teams, our donors and our volunteers to get ready for the next election. So I give Premier Smith a lot of credit on that front. And I think she's she's putting in the time and effort on that front, which will serve us well, I think, going into the next year. And in terms of my new role in municipal affairs, I am really enjoying the new challenge. I loved children's services. I loved the policy. But this is really an area where I get to build relationships with locally elected leaders and strengthen those relationships to solve challenging and complex issues that are facing our province. And I've always said no one level of government or no one person is going to solve these issues on our own. So, it, you know, it's an interesting file in that I, I have things that I am specifically responsible for, like the Municipal Governance Act and Funding formulas, but then it's also an opportunity to weigh into more complex issues like housing and mental health and addictions and, you know, infrastructure projects that cover a number of ministries and try to break down some barriers between government ministries and get some things done for Albertans.
0: Well, you know, there's, there's lots to unpack there, but I want to stick stick with you, Minister, Well, we can talk about the Sovereignty Act maybe in a moment a little bit too, but I appreciate you bringing that up. Tell us what it's like, right? You know, the, the relationship with this government, any government, let's be fair, and municipalities is dynamic on on the best of occasions. You're balancing in you know, a smaller and mid-sized cities or, you know, townships mm-hmm. and whatnot, but also with our big cities. And then, and let's be honest, you know, the two mayors of the two big cities perhaps on paper don't look politically aligned with the government and whatnot of the day. So as minister, how have you found working with the two big city mayors? We'll start there and then let's let's kind of branch out from there. Yeah, it a know, big announcement would, this week.
1: You no, know, and, and we did. And, you know, I, I would say this, both of our big city mayors, Mayor Gondek and Mayor Sohi, they have taken the time to meet with me and text anytime there are issues, uh, phone calls at any time. They know that I am available and responsive whenever they have concerns or questions or want to work on a certain issue and have something that's top of mind. So, you know, I think that has been good because even though we may disagree on approaches to certain issues, I think there is this mutual respect and understanding. that we represent the same people we are all here to represent Albertans and work together to make their lives better and make this province better for those we serve so you know I I think that there is a mutual understanding there even though we may approach different uh issues from a different perspective
0: okay I gotta ask so does this mean we're getting an arena in Calgary it's like gonna it's a Christmas (laughs) gift it's coming
1: you know I, I I can't make any commitments uh to that just yet but you know Premier Smith did appoint uh, Rick McIver, so former uh, municipal affairs minister, former city councillor to work with the city essentially to see if there's anything that the province can do to help move that project along. And so, you know, it's a little early to say we haven't had any funding requests or anything like that come in. Uh, But, you know, there is somebody specifically dedicated to making sure that the province is at the table there and willing to help.
0: Okay, we won't go too far. How's that for a
1: non-answer? Well, I'll ask you one thing. Are you optimistic? (laughs) You know, I am. I mean, the Premier has said that she's supportive of this project. And so, um, you know, what that looks like or what that means, I I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of people recognize they want the Battle of Alberta to continue. And, you know, this is a huge part of, of Calgary's economy, but... At the same time, you know, I think it's just a little bit premature for me to say, I think that Rick McIver is the perfect person to have at that table, just given his experience municipally, of course, and in this role in municipal affairs. And so I'm glad he's there to help from the provincial perspective.
0: Well, you know, it certainly has appeared, you know, we've seen in the media reach out by both the big city mayors uh, talking about good dialogue they'd had with you as minister and with the province. Tell us a little bit about some of the issues you're encountering. I mean, the government Mm -hmm. seems to be very focused in in terms of the throne speech on affordability. Um, We know housing is a challenge. Is it different for the smaller municipalities uh, versus the big ones? Are you seeing some common issues? And what are the big issues that you're concerned about, you know, going into this winter and and going into the new year?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question. And, you know, it's something I think you kind of touched on in your last question that I didn't really uh, answer that well, but I, I can now, that, you know, we have obviously different perspectives when it's coming to the big cities, the mid-sized cities, of course, you know, have been saying that they want to be seen as different from the two main cities and of course the rural municipalities and then we have rural municipalities so the issues that I hear raised are often similar I mean, as you mentioned affordability, inflation, whether that's for people or project costs, that's obviously a top of mind concern, affordable housing, mental health addictions and healthcare. These are things that are top of mind for municipalities, top of mind for our province. And it's because it's what Albertans are talking about. Now, how we see those issues arise in different sized communities, I think that's where it's interesting. So, you know, for example, uh, the work that we're now doing, uh, setting up a task force in Edmonton, for example, to talk about Mm -hmm. um, mental health addictions, housing, and how all of those concerns come together, it's really recognition that different communities are going to see these issues present themselves in different ways so you know what we're seeing in Lethbridge is different than what we're seeing in Edmonton it's different than what we're seeing in Calgary. But we are willing to be creative, and we want to be partners at the table working with municipalities and community partners nonprofits uh, experts in the area service providers and say look let's let's all get in the room no ideology like putting all politics aside how do we make sure that we are addressing short term needs while still all rowing in the same direction you know based on all of the strategic work that's been done around recovery oriented systems of care for example and where we're headed into the future in terms of making sure that we have shelter space and you know supports for people who need it but then that there is treatment and recovery options available when folks are ready to enter into those types of settings. So I'm really excited about that work. And, you know, I, I keep telling municipalities, your priorities are my priorities, right? And, and I think that that will help us get to a good place in the best interests of Albertans.
0: You know, that's really refreshing to hear. It'd be refreshing for, for a lot of Albertans to hear, but even those listeners across Western Canada, across the country, the idea of going in with, you know, a group of politicians being able to put ideology aside. How, what's the reaction uh, been like to that? Has it kind of opened up doors? Do you, has it fostered sort of a level of collegiality?
1: Yeah, you know, I think so. And when we were talking about the task force with the city of Edmonton, hearing the police chief say that this is a refreshing approach where you know, we have a front-page newspaper story, kind of at the end of November. I guess it—it it was around that time where it, it was really talking about the homelessness issues that we're seeing in Edmonton and and community safety. But then when we really got to it, uh, it became a a bigger conversation about shelter space. Uh, how many do we need? Do we have the same data? Are we working off of the same understanding of the needs of this very you know sensitive population? Right. We want to make sure that people have what they need and understand. You know, if we have supports in place, why are people not accessing those supports Uh, and making sure then that law enforcement is at the table? EMS, uh, ideally, hopefully we'll have the fire chief as well. And then Homeward Trust, right, which it's important to make sure that those agencies serving this, this vulnerable population are there, too. So, you know, certainly the feedback has been good. And you know, I think it was great because one of the things I had heard over the last three years was breakdown barriers and silos between different government ministries. And my approach is if there's an issue in a municipality, let's just get everybody in one room and fix this instead of writing each other letters for six months. Uh, So, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think that's what the premier wants to see. She's a person of action and common sense. And so, you know, that's really kind of outlined our approach on this front.
0: It's it's really really interesting to hear because it's such a complex problem. Whether it's you call it revitalization of downtown, helping address some of the homeless challenges. I mean, it's the it's the confluence of so much between affordable housing, addictions, mental health, mm-hmm. you know, security, and 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 first responders. All of it wrapped in into into one. So uh, it, it seems bringing people together. That really seems to be this. Style of this government is is kind of throw everybody together and and see uh, see how it works. What role do your 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 caucus uh, colleagues play in that? Because they're right out there on the ground. You know, do, are they a big part of sort of that approach of, of getting feedback from municipalities for you as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so just since being in this role, I've had a number of my colleagues bringing forward issues that are top of mind for their municipalities. I mean, a lot of it is really around, uh, especially just where where we're at right now and developing a new funding formula right? Sustainable, predictable, long-term funding from municipalities, addressing some of those cost pressures, like I said, around inflation and how we're going to move forward in that type of environment. You know, with some of the rural municipalities, it's things like unpaid oil and gas taxes. That was a Mm -hmm. priority and a commitment that I made uh, at RMA, which I think was maybe my second week on the job, you know, but a commitment to work with RMA and uh, rural municipalities, as well as the energy industry to address that issue as best we can. moving forward. Uh, So that's top of mind for me as well. But definitely um, the approach of this government and certainly Premier Smith is to collaborate and make sure that MLAs are able to do that important work of representing their constituents. Um, And, you know, there there is a lot of eyes and passion on this file of municipal affairs. So um, that's been really helpful to me, though, as a minister in this portfolio, just to know what the priorities are of, of those out there in all areas of the province.
0: So so like every minister, like the premier, you've got about six months, right? Before we get into that, yeah. uh, when we're scheduled to have an election, and of course, there's the preamble <laughs> to that, which which is is all part of it as well. You have a lot on your plate. Are you you're confident you can sort of get some of these boxes checked? And I mean, they're big boxes. I, I don't want to demean them anyway, because they're massive accomplishments if you can get them through. Mm-hmm. But are you confident you can make some progress in some of these key files here in the next, next short time? Oh,
1: absolutely. And, you know, when I first uh, was in this role, I think it was maybe the first or second week. And I remember saying to my my department, "Okay, so we're going to have this done by December and this done by January. And they kind of looked at me thinking, yeah, maybe not December. Uh, So I think we've shifted appropriately. But I think that's the that's the interesting thing when you're a new minister and there have been so many things on the go. I am just working at breakneck speed to make sure that, you know, we continue on this path because we do have things that we committed to. And that is around, you know, for example, the funding formula or unpaid oil and gas taxes or reviewing, you know, the regional growth boards. Uh, I don't have any preconceived notions on those things, but it's a very real commitment to gather the feedback of municipalities and address their issues and concerns. So, You know, uh, you're exactly right. There are things that'll be able to happen in the next six months and, well, quite frankly, in the next two months. And then, you know, there are things that ideally we'll be able to address beyond May.
0: So I mean that that's a ton of municipal affairs, and there's so much more we can unpack there. But let's maybe step back and look at some of the other issues. You, you mentioned the mm-hmm. Sovereignty Act. The Bill One was the, the sort of the uh, really the signature piece for Premier Smith when she was both running for leadership. Uh, tell us what the reaction's been because we've heard lots, right? And and as always, when there's a piece of legislation that you know has been talked about a lot, I said on, on a previous podcast, I had never seen so much chatter about something that no one had seen yet. But now we've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting to see that the pre, the Premier is very willing to take feedback and, and made some some changes to the act. So, and I think that, that shows that responsiveness. But what's the reaction you've heard? I know there's been concerns out of out of Calgary, for example, on the investment climate. Um, are you hearing those concerns? And, and what are you hearing, not just within the province, but maybe from outside the province as well?
1: You know, not really. And, and we've heard this be discussed in the House as well. I mean, we've been asked this by the opposition, I think, every day since the bill was introduced. And, you know, it's interesting there's been a there's been a few people who've raised questions around investor confidence or, um, you know, the constitutionality of this bill. And I'll, I'll be honest, those were some of the things, like I said, that I had questions about with early discussions around the bill. But I mean, as this bill was drafted, the premier did listen to the feedback and wanted the bill to very clearly address the concerns that were raised, not only by other leadership candidates but by some of our members and, of course, by Albertans. And so now what we have is a bill that allows us to push back and, again, just remind the federal government that there are areas of provincial jurisdiction, there are areas of federal jurisdiction, and that, you know, what we are looking for is that constitution to be respected, that we don't want Federal policies infringing on our major industries or economic growth. So, in fact, you know, in a way, that's that's good for our investors. It's good for our job creators and our economy if we are standing up for the main industries that exist in Alberta. You know, I, I do know that what I have heard from uh, the business community is they recognize that you know there was uncertainty around uh, many of the <laughs> moves the federal government was making. So we have a tool to push back and. You know, I I think it's also making sure that some of the rhetoric around this bill and what people think it is versus what it is, you know, we need to be clear about this, that, you know, Albertans are concerned with Alberta being able to, you know, I always say reach our full potential, right, that our energy industry can continue to compete um, worldwide, which they should. I mean, when we look at our environmental and social standards, I, I mean, we should be competing on the world stage when it comes to energy production. And we're going to defend that industry. It's not about picking fights. It's about defending the constitutional jurisdiction that we have here in Alberta. So, you know, I I think that that's now that people have had a chance to read the bill and see that uh, many of those concerns have been addressed, you know, that I think is, is quieting down quite a bit.
0: Well, there's, there's no question that this has been an issue, you know, in Alberta, for decades and decades and decades, uh, going back to when we actually negotiated the, the entry into the Constitution, mm-hmm. the organization of the Constitution, repatriation patriation of the Constitution, I should say. Yeah. Do you think this, how confident this is going to be effective? Because there's no question, the previous premier tried things, premier before that tried things. You know, there's different groups mm-hmm. that have tried to approach it diplomatically, less diplomatically. You know, this is putting it right on the table, square there. Do you yep. think this is going to work?
1: You know, I am optimistic and the Premier often uses this example, as does Minister Savage. I mean, when Minister Savage was at COP and I I know the example has been that the discussion was around that final communique and the federal environment minister saying, look, I can't sign on to opposing continued production or winding down our oil and gas industry. Why? Because that is the purview of provinces essentially and you know if i signed on to that communique i may have a legal challenge from a province and in in our country that is an area of provincial jurisdiction so i would say that's a huge win right and you know i think it's just a very important tool to say you know we are going to stand up for alberta for the future of our economy, for Albertans. And, you know, we're seeing other provinces do that too. You know, the Saskatchewan First Act is a good example. So, you know, this is where I think you see other provinces standing up and saying, you know, it it is time for us as provinces to make sure that we are reiterating and protecting our provincial jurisdiction in the best interests of the people that we serve.
0: You know, one of those areas of, of provincial jurisdiction that is is really, I think, united all the provinces right now is healthcare. Yeah. You know, we see on a daily basis, you know, calls for for the pre- prime minister to meet with premiers. He's declined to do so. Seems like he wants to to throw funding with with strings attached, which is generally not done actually in healthcare. It might surprise Canadians. It's kind of one of the the precedents that had not been set. You're at the cabinet table now. Obviously, you're also a parent like myself, and you know, we know there's pressures on. Uh, I think if Every cold and flu seems to have gone through my house, and they're tough. They're tough on kids, they're mm-hmm. tough on parents, tough on new parents, particularly. You know, what's it like being around the cabinet table now? And what are those discussions and, and, and how is this a priority for the government?
1: Yeah, and of course, I can't speak specifically about what we talk about at the cabinet table, but <laughs> there, it's a, it, it's I tried, a good question. I tried. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question, though. And you're right. I mean, my own kids are seven and almost five. And same thing. I mean, we went through, I think it was 12 days of the cold with one kid and four days with yeah. another. And just as we recovered, it was back to the flu. And, you know, I think uh, again, I mean, this is where I really give a lot of credit to the premier. I mean, she hears these common sense concerns of everyday Albertans and does not let bureaucracy get in the way of solving those issues. And and the example of that is the Tylenol and Advil shortage, right? Because at a time like this where I mean, Even for me, my son had a fever for five days. If you're a new parent and you don't have access to Tylenol and Advil, that is terrifying. And so, where do you end up? You end up in the emergency room. And so, you know, I I guess I would say this is threefold. So, first of all, we had a premier who, again, full credit to her, said, this is an issue and we're going to solve it. And so she went and procured ibuprofen and acetaminophen at levels, you know, far surpassing what we're even going to be able to access at a federal level, which is amazing. And just pushing to say, what do we need to do to be able to meet the needs of Alberta parents? You know, and then again, there's all the work being done through health and healthcare reform, which is a top priority. It is the number one thing I can tell you that I hear in my constituency, but right across Alberta as well. So making sure that we do have family physicians, that people can access a family (laughs) doctor, so that they have a place to go. And don't have to go to the emergency room. But then again, also staffing up our emergency room so that we can bring down those wait times. So all of those things are connected. And, you know, the the work that's being done, appointing an official administrator, Minister Copping is working at breakneck speed, not only to collect data, where are we now so that we can actually measure where we're headed. But again, just focus on those things that are top of mind for Albertans, a lot of it around doctors, wait times in emergency rooms and surgical wait times as well. Um, and EMS, of course, is a is a top priority, too.
0: So let's look forward now. What uh, mm-hmm. we are we'll do, we will do the two step uh, dance on this one. So put the election aside for a moment. What do you really see are the most important issues going in, coming out of the holidays, going into the new year here? You know, it's uh, there's so much going on and we know elections are going to happen. There's going to be a lot of noise around politics. Uh, But from a governing standpoint, where where are the priorities for the government for for maybe the first quarter for next year? I know it's a short time.
1: Yeah. And I would say, you know, our government is really focused on the issues that are top of mind for Albertans. So that is, of course, cost of living and inflation. Um, Obviously, we at the provincial level, we don't have a lot of control over some of those inflationary pressures. But given, you know, the wealth that we see being a resource driven economy, we are in a position to address some of those issues through our affordability measures and the support that we are providing both targeted and broad-based support for Albertans right across the province um, as well as healthcare. of course as we've discussed that is a that is a major focus of our government and our premier uh, bringing down largely those wait times in emergency rooms as well as surgical wait times and EMS um, and really just taking common sense approach, local decision making, making sure that we're using our system effectively and efficiently. I would also say, of course, economic issues are always top of mind for Albertans, right? We are a province where people have either chosen to stay here or have come here for that promise of hope and optimism and opportunity. And I I always say that our, our economic growth and our economic future is directly linked with standing up for Alberta. And our province's best interests. So, those will be the focuses of our government as we head into the next year. Uh, again, just largely because they are top of mind issues for everyday Albertans right across the province.
0: So, I think Ralph Klein may have get the credit for saying this first. It's been said a lot, though, maybe before, but certainly since. And he, he used to describe Alberta as a three legged stool from an election yeah. standpoint. So, you know where I'm going <laughs> with this, right? You got rural. I do. Which I actually... <laughs> I'm not sure it's a three-legged stool anymore because rural is not just rural, right? You've got a a lot of, it's not fair to to our rural friends, neighbors, and family uh, to sort of uh, put everybody in one line because you've got mid-sized cities, you've got larger-sized cities outside of the two, two Calgary and Edmonton. But let's let's go with the stool analogy. We call it three or four legs, but there's no question, you know, the the NDP seem to be well-positioned in Edmonton. They certainly were in the last election and you guys are doing a lot in Edmonton right now. Rural-wise, uh, very strong to the UCP, our own, our own polling and navigator to demonstrate this. So that kind of leaves Calgary, for those around mm-hmm. maybe outside the provinces, as the battleground, the electoral battleground. You, of course, are a Calgary-based MLA, representing the uh, fine <laughs> folks here. What do you think the issues are for Calgary, and, and how do you see that, that playing out in the next election?
1: Yeah. And, you know, what I often say is, you know, whether you're in rural Alberta or the big cities, I mean, the issues are often similar uh, in terms of what they are. Healthcare, inflation, cost of living, jobs, economy, economic growth, diversification of our economy. Right. And sometimes the difference, though, is in how those challenges present themselves or how we address those challenges. So, you know, again, even in Calgary, I mean, just throughout the month of December, I was out door knocking. I mean, eight out of 10 of the houses that had, you know, something they really wanted to talk about was about healthcare. And I I think that they're actually encouraged that we're willing to make the big changes that need to be made. I think most people recognize we are not the only province that is seeing these issues in healthcare. We've come through a difficult three years. Um, You know, we're seeing it in BC, Ontario, right across the country in terms of emergency room wait times and surgical backlogs. So we're not alone in this, but being the entrepreneurial province we are, we have to be willing to take some risks and do some things differently. So you know, I, and There's I think no quick fixes,
0: are, right? Like, like this there is there is not. This is a massive system. There's systemic problems that you guys have talked about, but all provinces have talked about this. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. it, it it it's not instant soup, right? It's not like this isn't something that can be fixed in two or three months.
1: You're exactly right, and and somebody used the analogy of you can't eat an elephant in one bite, and so <laughs> you know this is where I, I mean it's a good one when right. it comes to healthcare because all of these issues are are connected, but you know the real life um, examples of barriers within the system, I I think is a great way to start solving those challenges. So, you know, working on the emergency room, EMS and surgical wait times, absolutely. But then, you know, just like the Tylenol example or, you know, other examples that come forward, you know, rural hospitals coming forward and, and letting the premier know, you know, we have surgical beds that are not being used. How can we help? And having a government who's willing to say, I don't know how can you help? We're gonna we're gonna make that happen. You know, I, I actually think that's quite well received. And Alberta's economic growth and and the challenges with the federal government, again, those are top issues I hear every single day. And, you know, I'm I'm certainly hopeful that the inflation relief package and the affordability package that we're rolling out is well received. It certainly has been in my riding, re-indexing AISH and supports for those who are. Um, on Asian income support, I think that's important. Re-indexing personal income tax, and then having that additional help for seniors who are on fixed income or families with kids. Of course, that's all income tested, and then eliminating the fuel tax. That's something that helps Albertans in their day-to-day lives when the cost of, you know, groceries uh, and everything else is going up, uh, as well as the utilities uh, rebate support. So, you know, that really I think shows that we are listening. And we are committed to delivering on things that Albertans care about right now.
0: Mr. You've been very generous with our time. I've got to ask you one more, maybe. And that's sure. okay. So <laughs> what is the ballot question? What do you think voters will be thinking when they go into Mark and X in the spring?
1: You know, I, I still think, of course, you know, as a conservative, and as somebody who came to Alberta for again that hope and opportunity and that promise that if you're willing to work hard, you know, this is this is the place to be. You know, I think Albertans want a government who can navigate difficult times and come through in a position of strength, whether that's around our balanced budgets and what we've done on the fiscal side, or, you know, whether that's back to jobs in the economy. I mean, I'm happy to talk about our record on job creation and investment versus that of the former government. I mean you know, I I feel like I talk about this all the time, but borough tax spend and 180,000 jobs lost and leaving the province um, versus what we have managed to do, recover all of those jobs lost while coming through what was a difficult economic time and a worldwide pandemic. You know, I, I think that that is a, that's a record that I am more than happy to run on while still managing to address, you know, issues in healthcare and affordability. Um, You know, I think it's, The question is, you know, having a government that's focused on issues that are top of mind for everyday Albertans and being able uh, to deliver on, on those items.
0: Well, economic policies also have an impact on investment. I think too, maybe. When Absolutely, you're there, uh, Minister. I I appreciate so much your time. I hope you get some time with your family. We know you're working really hard. We know you've been going nonstop <laughs> all year. But we hope you're able to enjoy your Christmas with your family a little bit and get a little bit of time downtime. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays.
1: Well, thank you so much. Same to you, and thanks so much for having me today.
0: Western Edge is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. This episode was produced by Krista Hudson and Zoe Kierstead. I want to extend a very big thank you to Minister Rebecca Schultz for taking time out of her very busy schedule to join us this week. We really appreciated hearing her perspective on the past year, what she's focusing on in municipal affairs, and of course, what's ahead of us in 2023, that big election year here in Alberta. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow us on Twitter at Western Edge by Nav to stay up to date on all of our episodes. As always, thank you for joining us and listening to The Western Edge.